Hello, this is Melanie C. from Oregon, and I'm preempting the Big Book Study recording today with an announcement. When a vision for you records, we all know that it's something very big, very important, and very meaningful. Are you all set? Okay, we're ready to go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's convention time again. Yep, rebooted. On behalf of all of you, a vision for you is excited to present the power of the Big Book Convention 2017. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, September 15th, 16th, 17th, 2017, at the Marriott Hotel, Liberty International Airport, Northern New Jersey, we are having our convention. You can register today. Registration and hotel reservations for this convention can be made today on our website at www.avisionforyou.info. More details, more information about this convention will be available soon. Don't miss it. Register. Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 26, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page one, the last paragraph on the page, which begins, I, 22 and a veteran of foreign wars. Today's readers are, are Raz R. on the 12 steps, Janice M. on the 12 traditions, and reading the text are Janice B., Kelly S., and Lauren S. Our newcomer greeter today is Lisa B., and the reference for yesterday's meeting, Wednesday, January 25th, is 9511. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. 
I will now ask Roz R. to read the 12 steps of OA. Can I be heard? Yes, Roz. Okay, thank you. This is Roz R. from Florida. Um, thank you for letting me do service today. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them (coughs) or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Roz R. I will now ask Janice M. to read the 12 Traditions. Well, good morning to you and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And this is the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose. There is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. And ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinions on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions 
ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Janice. Um, how our meetings work. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that you're sharing directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 1, the last paragraph, and I will ask Janice B. to get us started. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. Okay, 22 and a veteran of foreign wars, I went home at last. I fancied myself a leader, for had not the men of my battery given me a special token of appreciation? Oh, okay. I, I thought you were on the wrong paragraph. Please go ahead. Go ahead. I fancied myself a leader, for had not the men of my battery given me a special token of appreciation, my talent for leadership, I imagined, would place me at the head of vast enterprises, which I would manage with the utmost assurance. Okay, so identify in, not out. I could, <clears throat> I could easily read this paragraph and say, that's not me. But when I look closer, especially at that word fancied, which means um, real or imaginary, um, and think about myself, um, I, have, I have real and imaginary stories also, you know? Um, so my story, my story wasn't one of grandiosity, like um, like Bill's, he was going to um, to uh, be at the head of vast enterprises, which he would manage with utmost assurance. He 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 grabbed at because his his um, his the people that he was with in the for, in the war gave him a token of uh, appreciation that he, he took that and ran with it, that, you know, he was a leader. And so um, I take things and I run with them too, but my story is different. My story is, um, my story is, I, you know, my deep down story is um, people are going to hurt me and I need to protect myself. That, that's my story. 
and um, I think I know what other people are thinking, and I think I know what I have beliefs about myself, about the way I need to be, and um, and I'm responsible for everything, and I have to do it perfectly, and it's all me, and I need to control and manage everything so I so people won't hurt me. So that that's that's my that's been that was my story and it's it's a very hard story to let go of um that the world was not a friendly place and i had to to protect myself and and so i needed to escape the stress of being me in my story and how did i do that i isolated and i ate and i i i didn't participate. I was not in the stream of life. I didn't say yes. I would say no. And, and, and I put up walls around me. And um, yeah, I can, I can, um, I can relate to this paragraph, even though, you know, not the way we're all different. And, um, but it gets down to living, living, I think, like, trusting that the world is a friendly place for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, um, Janice B. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Nessa R. Reva P. Okay, I have Nessa R, Reva P, Vasa O. Judith R. Leah W. Judith, and I'm sorry I didn't get your last initial, Judith. R. R, thank you. And did I hear Rachel W? Leanne W. Leanne W. Thank you, Leanne. Leah S. Leah S. Okay, let's stop there. We have Nessa R, Reva P, Vasa O, Judith R, Leanne W, and Leah S. Please go ahead, Nessa. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Nessa R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. I just love this paragraph because, you know, Bill's life did turn out to be what he, um, he wanted it to be. He fancied himself a leader, and in the end, he did turn out to be a leader. He took a leader to envision um, AA to persevere and mold it um, into what it became. And he was the head of a vast enterprise, you know, like AA turned out to be a huge enterprise and he was the leader. But, you know, the, the, the funny thing, you know, God's sense of humor is it was not in the way he had imagined it. He imagined it, you know, him be ha- um, having all this power and all this wealth, but he did get what he wanted. Um, he was the leader and he was at the head of vast enterprises. And you know what, like, that was my experience too. Um, you know, I always wanted to have a happy, contented life. And now, by the grace of God in these steps, I do have a happy, contented life, but it is not, it is not um, in the way that I had envisioned. You know, um, you know, I myself had my own dreams. Of course, I always wanted to, 
to be happy, uh, to be thin. And now I am, I am thin in a normal body, but I'm not eating all the cheesecake that I want, which is my, my original plan, you know, eat everything I want and, 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 and not gain weight. Um, you know, I thought that my family had to be a certain way and my, my children and my husband had to do certain things for me to be happy and society had to be behave in certain ways. Um, and that's not at all, you know, now that I've given up on those uh, fantasies and I'm focused on what I'm needed for instead of what I need, now I'm truly happy in a normal body and truly, truly happy, just not in the way I envisioned, just like Bill. He became a leader and the, the head of a vast enterprise, just not in the way it happened. And it's all uh, not in the way that he wanted um, originally. And it's all thanks to um, this beautiful program that's outlined in this book, you know, simply said is, you know, entire abstinence, the 12 steps, and close contact with my creator. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Reva P., please go ahead. Good morning. It's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, also in Toronto. Um, how do I uh, relate to the way Bill thought felt and acted. So what I notice first of all in this paragraph is the word I is repeated so many times. Um, so I relate to Bill because it was all about me um, and it was all about my plans and designs and how I was going to control the food and how I was going to get life to be the way I wanted, which is the way I thought I was supposed to be. I thought part of being ambitious and smart is to take control and to set plans and do like, you know, the five-year goals and stuff like that. Um, so what I see now reading Bill's story is um, the ego and the pride. You know, he was just so amazing and he was going to do all these things as opposed to um, what I've learned by uh, working the steps, which is asking. You know, how would God have me use my skills and talents and intelligence? How would God have me be? Um, which is a whole different energy um, than doing it the other way. And the other thing I see is living in fantasy. You know, I really um, had this uh, belief that if I just thought hard enough and I just imagined hard enough, then things would happen. But I never took any action to make those things happen. Um, so working the steps teaches me to stop living in my head, um, practice the principles, practice the steps, and live in today. Um, and the other thing I wanted to share is, you know, I can get into self-will with the food, and I can get into self-will even under the guise of I'm working the steps. I think I need to do this, and I think God is telling me this. And a lot of times, the most important thing I need to do is pause. And somebody has shared before, God is in the pause. And I just have to ask. I think recovery is so much more about asking and going to this power than telling God what my little schemes and plans are. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Vasa O, please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive over here calling from Florida. Thank you for your service. And, uh, yeah, this is Bill's story, and we all have our own unique stories. Uh, I could identify with him, though. Uh, I was 
in many areas, a very, very successful woman. But when we came to, but when it came to the food, forget it. You know, couldn't control it. And I was looking for the trophy, and I was looking for the appreciation. I did not understand about ego. Um, um, I, when I went to my first meeting, of course, I didn't hear Bill's story, but I, I, I heard um, this woman, her story, and I could identify with her, and she shared her pain and suffering, and I related to my own pain, and I also related my mother's pain, what she went through, except my mother, this disease killed my mother, and this woman finally found a solution to her problem, and and that gave me hope. I remember saying, well, if if this woman found a solution, and there's hope for me, and so for me, it was progressive. The disease was very, very progressive. I couldn't stop any longer. I just gave in and just surrendered to my disease I, because I couldn't control it any longer. And then I found a hope, um, like this woman had found hope. And, and a lot of people that had gone before me, they even, you know, they, their pain and suffering, it was even bigger because, Again, they carried a lot more weight, and you know I understand it's a, it's physical, emotional, spiritual, and I did come just to lose the weight, and I thank God I stayed for the rest of it. So I came just in time, and I had a second chance in life, and I'm so grateful for that. So I and again, stop living in the fantasy. I I'll wrap it up. I I yes, I lived in fantasy, and start working on the twelve steps. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Judith R., please go ahead. Thank you. This is Judith R., recovered in Vermont. I'm going to echo what Nessa was talking about, about him fancying himself as a leader. He could have been a really famous guy, a really rich guy. He could have worked for Thomas Edison. He could have been a famous stockbroker and all that. Instead, he became poor and humble, and served millions of people. And um, it's so wonderful that he's one of the most famous men in the world. And his enterprise of of the fact that he helped God start AA is one of the largest in the world. Um, I, too, have still entertained fantasies about being a, a dancing comedian traveling around the world, turning everyone on to God. And... God seems to be saying, well, you know, you could help some folks in a way, and, you know, that might be just plenty. So thank God for Bill W. With that, I pass. Thank you, Judith R. Uh, Leah W., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Leanne W. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, great. I'm having phone trouble. I keep getting bumped off, so if I get bumped off, please just go on to the next person. But uh, what this spoke to me is still was 22 when I saw that, 22. Okay, looks like we lost Leanne W. Maybe she'll come back. Uh, Leah S., can you go ahead? Yes, do you hear me? Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. Good morning, everybody. This is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn. Um, so um, ominous warning that I failed to heed. I have amnesia. This disease brings me amnesia. No matter how bad I feel after binging and going on and on, and no matter how many promises, and these are really real, not feeling well, I fail to heed because this disease brings me amnesia. It also brings me some kind of illusion because um, Bill is saying, I fancied myself for a leader. He He's finished with the ward. He's a veteran, and he's coming back, and he's expecting all this stuff. He's expecting all that because they're saying, I, 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 I. So my ego, my, you know, this brings me to think about how much I had to have humility before even coming on and trying to take any of these steps. Because um, if I did not have a humility, then how could I listen to what you have to say or what you have been through or what you have that has been successful and is successful? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah S. Uh, let me check and see if Leanne W. came back. Okay, we'll take uh, maybe uh, two or three more on this paragraph, and then we'll move on. Who else? Charles would like? H. Charles H. Tina S. Tina S. One more? Okay, I'll take a turn then. Uh, go ahead, Charles. Oh, Natasha A., I got you. Thank you. Go ahead, Charles A. Um, should I take off now? Yes, please do. Thank you very much, Kate, Kathy K. for your service. Charles A., to recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, yeah, I see all the eyes as well, and I can sure identify with Bill. But I'm going to take it from a different um, perspective. You know, I'm a... I'm a <laughs> I'm going to hold the people accountable for putting him on a pedestal. And, you know, that is myself because he definitely saved my life with his story, and I identify in with all the things that he has done um, with his drinking, with my eating. But I'm going to take it, I'm going to, take it to a, a level where people put people on pedestals, and I'm not saying from any um, derogatory angle. I'm just saying that, um, when we put a human being on a pedestal and they fail you, um, we create a monster. You know, so I, I believe that the people in the war, I wasn't there, so don't don't uh, hold me accountable to that, but it's just my opinion. Um, I, I think people put him on a pedestal back in those times, and um, they created a monster. But I'm grateful they did it um, for us to benefit 80 years later. Um, so the IIIs don't come from, if people just be like, yeah, he's just another coworker, just like we are, we are so excited, um, to get on the line because another one of my, uh, fellow, uh, people in my neighborhood passed yesterday and the tombstone does not say, um, from compulsive overeating, but, and this guy was a young guy, you know, so 
just like Bill. Bill was a young guy, 22 years old. This man was a little older, but he still passed as a result of, you know, eating what he wants. And that's why we are so excited on this line to light it up like a Christmas tree. I mean, like Harold Square, 34th Street, lights, camera, action, because we are amongst the living. And it's because it's because we're here and, and we surrender. We surrender to win. Like Bill surrendered. Like right now it sounds like he's on, you know, 42nd Street on stage and he's a leader and all that, but his disease, took him off of 42nd Street and brought him to the Bowery, um, to the bottom. And through his story, he still became a leader. So let this be the year of the testimony. I don't care how young or how old you are. It's never too late until it's too late. So if your disease is consuming you and you're feeling yourself and you all that, you will die a few years early, and I do not want you to die. If everybody on this line that shaves every day, they are on the firing line to ensure that we keep the integrity of a vision for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, Tina S., uh, Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. And I, too, am getting cut off all the time, so if I get cut off, please go on. And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful today that, uh, you know, I decided to stay and to, to try to identify with Bill instead of continuing to compare, you know, because I've learned so much about my disease, uh, one I really identify. And, you know, you know, and I just got to say this, you know, when, when I was feeling good about me, when I, thought, when I thought I was looking good, I was all that, man. And I, was, I certainly fancied myself a leader, for sure, for sure. You know, I was either the top of the heap or the bottom. You know, there was no in-between. And, and what happened for me, I, this took me to a place when I, I, was in my, I was in my 20s. Actually, I was earlier than that. You know, I had I'd been accepted at a hospital school of nursing. Uh, I had just been on a diet. I thought I looked fabulous, you know, and academically, you know, I, I'm pretty intelligent. And, uh, and I was doing well at this nursing school. But, you know, I was afraid that you were really going to find out that I really didn't know anything. And so, therefore, I had to, you know, start to eat. And so I had gained like 30 pounds in like six months. And so, therefore, you know, I, I felt like crap. I no longer was able to perform. So I had to, you know, so I quit school. You know, so it was one of those things. Either I was running the company or I was on welfare, you know, and and that's just my story. I wasn't able to participate. You know, um, it was just one of those things, uh, extremes. And I'm real grateful today that I'm able to relate to everybody on the line and that I, that I got my spot here. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. And Natasha A., please go ahead. Hi, can I be heard? Yes, you can. Hi, this is Natasha A., a younger visionary in upstate New York. Um, I just appreciate so much the timeline of Bill W.'s thought processes through the first whatever pages of the big book. You know, he was the kind of, young man who is always jumping on the bandwagon for keeps. He was always having the aha moment, I have arrived, new business deals, and all of that. And I very much experienced that in my own life. I had, I know I hear it all the time with people who are bulimic. The minute they found bulimia, they said, oh, my God, I have arrived. And that was for me. You know, every time I had a new diet plan or some new job, I had arrived. 
And what just makes me think is the progression. If you went and told Phil W. in his young prime when he was a drunk and you, you told him in his future God's will for him was to be that he was going to become the president and the biggest leader of this whole entire group of thousands and millions of men and women who didn't drink, he'd probably laugh in your face. And I think of that now of myself. I still, I am caught red-handed. I still have lots of grandiose feelings and thoughts and processes because I go to college and I want to go there because I want to be a millionaire. And that's totally, you know, I catch myself red-handed right now because my reasoning might be not the best motivation for wanting to go to school. And I have to keep reminding myself that I really don't know what's going to happen. Like five years from now, my my higher powers will might have me on a resort organic farm in Mexico doing charity work. Who knows? And that's why I can only stay in this moment. I need to not try to manipulate and keep having that aha moment because the minute I think I've arrived, I just got lost. There's no arriving. There's no aha anymore. I don't need to jump on any bandwagon. I don't need to practice grandiosness anymore. So thank you and everybody on the line. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Natasha A. I'm going to ask Kelly S. to read the next paragraph, please. <clears throat> Kelly, <clears throat> are you there? Press star one to unmute. Kelly, we can't hear you. Are you there? I can I can you hear me now, Kathy? Yes, now I can. Thank you. I keep getting kicked off like over and over, so if I get kicked off Okay. We need someone else to read this. Um This is Monica T. I'll read for you. Oh, that's great, Monica. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I took a night law course and obtained employment as an investigator for a surety company. The drive for success was on. I'd proved to the world I was important. My work took me about Wall Street, and little by little, I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. Why not I? I studied economics and business as well as law potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. Though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks when I would steal her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceive their best projects when drunk that the most majestic constructions of philosophical thought were so derived. And I presume that's where I'm ending. Yes. Um, okay, still Monica, still recovered compulsive reader in Florida. Thank you, Kathy. So we're seeing this whole chapter here, Bill's story, is on the progression of his illness. So here we're seeing, you know, he's, he's drinking so badly here that he couldn't even take his exams. And um, it's not continuous, so apparently it's not a problem for him yet. But it disturbed his wife. So Lois saw it first before he did. And I always laugh and chuckle when I read that last part, 
where he's telling her, what BS, what grandiosity, you know, what uh, delusions, illusions are going on in his head when he's telling her that men's best thoughts come when they're drunk. Um, you know, so we're, there's a lot of denial and, and lying going on here. But, you know, Bill didn't know what he didn't know. And I didn't know what I didn't know and couldn't see what I couldn't see when I came into this program. And like him, I had the, uh, I had the, you know, fancied myself a leader too. How'd that work for you, Monica? It didn't really. And uh, with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Larry. Larry K. Melissa C. Deb W. Harlan G. Okay. Let's see. I have Larry K., Melissa C., Deb W., and Harlan G. Anyone else? Roz G. Roz G. Okay, let's go with those. Larry K., please get us started. Okay, Kathy, thanks so much. Sounds like we're getting kicked off here, but I... Uh... Let me get it started. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. So we see in this reading, you know, that Bill, he's got an escalating problem here, and not just any problem either. You know, he's, he doesn't know it yet, but he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, and, of course, he's reflecting back. Um, he, he certainly, at this point, isn't aware of the true nature of his disease. And we see that, you know, Bill was quite an accomplished guy, young guy here, um, he was blessed with great talent. People generally liked him. And the drive for success was on. I can remember as a young man, uh, the drive for success was on. But, you know, when humans have problems, you know, we try to solve them. Uh, perhaps, you know, maybe somewhat like a math equation, a problem that, that could be solved if analyzed properly. And, you know, let me uh, try to apply my intellect to the problem and, and solve it. And, you know, we, we try to as humans eradicate change or escape our problems. You know, here's men of genius conceive of their best projects over uh, Oreos or alcohol or whatever it is. But as Bill would come to learn, with some problems, our, our human efforts don't work. You know, Oreos don't work. Um, our, our will fails utterly. And so he's going to continue to sink into the quicksand of his disease. And Sometimes perhaps we need to stop fighting and abandon our habitual responses to pain, you know, getting to a place of acceptance, but, but he's not nearly there yet, you know, and, you know, what could be more silly than to put the food down in our case, but to tighten my muscles and set my jaw and my, you know, and will my way into a psychic change, you know, well, Bill, he's going to have to get out of God's way. I had to get out of God's way. And it didn't mean that, that, uh, that we're inactive and passive. No, just resolutely patient and peacefully willing to allow God in. That's what it was going to take for Bill. And we'll see more of his story. That's what it would take for me. Was I, you know, inactive and passive? No, resolutely patient. I would have to be peaceful in my willingness to move forward. I would have to take action. But, you know, when the drive for success was on, boy, I thought I had, I had the world by the, the short hairs, you know. I, I really thought that I was something special. I was just another, another person, another human being among billions. So grateful for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. 
Thank you, Larry Kay. Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Cassie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, I mean, what I really see here is um, that his thinking is is insane. This is this is uh, delusional thinking, and um, we're not even really talking about the alcohol here. You know, we're not talking about um, how incredibly delicious the drinks are or how crisp and cold they are. You know, like, when it comes to the food, it's not the flavor, and it's not the texture, it's um, it's my head that's broken, my thinking. And, you know, having fantasies about how important I am, how, um, I'm, you know, I'm a superstar. Um, and meanwhile, you know, I couldn't even get my ass to class. I mean, that was my story, that, you know, I was such a genius. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I was failing. I failed out of school initially, you know. But I had all these great plans, you know, and um, and completely full of myself. And that's what I really hear here, that this need to belong, this need to prove something to the world um, is really, you know, when I think about myself, it comes from a very sad, empty place inside. You know, who was I proving things to? And, you know, I, for the longest time, I kind of, kind of hung my story up on um, that I'm one of many children. You know, I come from a large family, and so I had to always prove, you know, prove that I was important and scramble to get my fair share of attention. Um, You know, whether that's true or not, or whether I just kind of created that story to make excuses um, is really unimportant. What I see here is how um, I can identify with Bill because my thinking is corrupt. My thinking is distorted. Um, you know, there was no thoughts of, um, I don't hear anywhere in his story here about looking to make life um, better for anybody else. You know, even just the mention of his wife is such a, um, like, you know, not a, not even important, but, like, he's such a genius that, um you know, he can go on drinking because his brilliant ideas really come to fruition when he's, when he's loaded. And, um, you know, so it's not, there's nowhere in this story is like his scrambling for success is going to bring any greater joy to anybody other than his need to feel important. And, um, you know, and who would have thought that the ticket for me to feel good and feel important would be um, the devastation of this disease, and that's really what it is for me. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Deb W., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Deb W., recovered in Oklahoma. And I can identify with Bill uh, uh, Bill's story um, once I get this idea in my head, once I, you know, I think I got the direction uh, of the the crowd um, that is uh, giving me the applaud that you know you're you're pretty cool you you're pretty smart you know even in OA you know how to do it lost a little weight and you know speaking at different events and so the focus is in my uh, uh, in my on my abilities and um, the easing God out. Uh, because I now am this OA and I, I can figure this out. And 
you know, and not even out in the fellowship, but even outside of the fellowship. I want to please whoever, you know, I said the world. I want to please the world. I want to be important. Why not, you know? I got a little recovery. I got a, a, a position. I'm over some people. Um, but, you know, like Bill, anybody who had anything to say other than what my mind was thinking, other than the, you know, the little boxed-in uh, ego that I had, I, I got rid of them. They, you know, I found reason to discount what they had to say. I was convincing them that they were wrong. You know, my mind was telling me how they were wrong, not, you know, maybe maybe there's something there that is some truth to 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 what they're saying. Um I I too remember in different jobs when I would have a lot of pressure to get work done. I remember sitting in the offices, everybody gone home and I went and got me a bag of whatever. And it seemed like with that bag or whatever, I could work through a whole lot of important and difficult tasks. But eventually, you know, the bag of whatever uh, got bigger, and 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 my ego got bigger along with it. And you know, I was on my way out uh, because I also compromised myself. You know, I was in program during that period of time. But and I, when I finally quit the job, retired, I didn't even recognize myself. I had to come out of this job and find uh, myself again in program, find my recovery because I I was married to the job. I I wanted to be uh, pleased to people in in a corporation, and can you believe that's not even ever possible? So um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deb W. Harlan G., please go ahead. Oh, thank you, Kathy. Thank you for your service. Thank you to Team Thursday, Harlan G., a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Can I be heard? Yes, you can, Harlan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I love this paragraph because this paragraph speaks to two things that hit me right between the eyes. The first of which is, is that when Bill was taking his test in law school, his alcoholism was beginning to dictate the course of his life. His alcoholism was about to, was, was twisting and destroying every dream and every aspiration in his path. Thus was the case with me, too. I graduated high school by the skin of my teeth. I graduated college by the skin of my teeth. I was 335 pounds as a senior in high school. I never fit in the desk. I never fit in my skin. I never fit in my clothes. I never fit in the world. I was extremely uncomfortable physically. I was extremely uncomfortable emotionally. There was no way that I could study for a test if the shamrock shakes were about to come out. There was no way I could do a long-term assignment knowing that the day after Thanksgiving, the chocolate turkeys would be 60-70% off. There was no way I could do these things because my mind was cluttered and fettered with all this insanity about eating and not eating, eating and not eating. There was no room, and I walked around exhausted because this disease exhausted me. Now the other thing that talks that they that they address at the that Bill addresses at the end of the paragraph 
is that the first victim of compulsive overeating, the first victim of alcoholism is the truth. When this disease is practiced, the first thing to go out the window is honesty. I lied to myself. I lied to my God, and I lied to everybody. I lied when the truth would have served me better. And when I came in on February 2nd, 1979, I had become everything I detested in a human being, a liar, a passer of bad checks, a manipulator, a failure, a mooch. I was, I was everything I never wanted to be. And God picked me up, and through the working of the steps, I have survived and I have prevailed. The only way that I'm alive today is through the working of these steps. And this paragraph talks about the twisting of my dreams, which is exactly what happened. I could have done so much better. But here I am, and God saves me thus far. And the other thing is the honesty. Today I can be who I am, and I can look you in the face, and I can tell you the truth, and I'm okay with it. This is the greatest way of life in the world, and I'm looking forward to seeing each and every one of you at this convention in September. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Uh, Roz G., please go ahead. Hi, this is Roz G. I just unmuted. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you, Roz. Go ahead. Let me get off the speaker. Okay. Hi, my name's Roz G., and it's uh, 4.50 a.m. in Los Angeles, but I'm sitting here in my bed cracking up at the shares in love, just laugh, love laughter. And, uh, okay, with the, I was, I've read Bill's story so many times, but every time I read it, I, I get a new perspective. Another light bulb comes on, and especially as I'm sobering up, it's even better. So what I got, my take on it this morning is that there was this, there was this cartoon, Looney Tunes, when I was a little girl, and there was this little boy in a classroom who who used to fantasize. And he, I don't know if any of you remember, but he would sit in the classroom, and his teacher would be teaching, and he would look out the window, and he'd fly away into this fantasy, and he'd be a knight in shining armor, and he'd fight wars. And I spent so much of my life fantasizing. And... I just, I, I still, I, I into my, into my adulthood, well into my adulthood, I would be a fantasizer, and my fantasies would be about being a famous actress, a famous comedian, whatever it was, I would be famous, and um, I remember also uh, in the days before the 9/11, where airports were pretty open, and you could, you know. Wish your people good. Wish your your family goodbye, and then be right there when the plane landed. You'd be there to greet them. And I remember taking a trip once up to Monterey to see a friend, and I and I thought, oh, my family's gonna miss me so much. So when I get off the plane, they're all gonna be there with lays and 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 welcome me. And my mother sent my neighbor to pick me up. And I got off the plane, and there he was, and I was thinking, what? Where is everybody? And it was my neighbor that she paid for his gas money to come and get me. 
and and I had never I haven't even remembered that since I read that this morning that I was such a fantasizer, and I and I had have had and have such a big ego and thought so much more of myself. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having a good self acceptance, but mine was way out off base. And um, last night I was in a face to face meeting in my town that was so. That was small, but it was my first time there. I met one of the ladies at the birthday party is in my town, and we, we didn't even know that we were both in a way. We, we come from another meeting. And I sat there with no ego, so grateful to be in that room, in that small house, just us sharing the big book. It was so wonderful. There was nothing grandiose about it, no egos, just sharing the book. And I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm finally really having a good perspective of who I am. I hear that that saying, just another bozo on the bus. And, you know, I kind of felt like that yesterday. I'm just just another overeater sharing with my fellow people who are too. And the last thing I'm going to say is that um, putting down the food this time around has changed my perspective on things. I'm in a leadership program too. And um, I... Thank you. Just want to wrap up by saying that I, my leadership program is going to have to serve God and not my ego. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Rajji. Um, we have time for one uh, two-minute share. Is there anyone who'd like to take that? Okay, I'll take it then. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. Um, and I, too, identify so much with this paragraph and um, really had not a clue of what was driving me, that is, my ego and my self-centeredness, to be very, very successful in my chosen career and it wasn't, it really was not until my life became unmanageable that I began to consider the possibility that um, something was wrong with me. Um, all the time, all those many years, I was killing myself with food um, and uh, not really paying much attention to that, nor was I paying attention to the anxiety and the stress that seems so out of proportion, but so unavoidable. So um, it, this is the buildup of Bill's disease that we're reading about um, and how it often coincides with much success in the world, but not much peace or serenity or service to others. And with that, I pass. Thank you to everyone who has shared today. We'll now close the meeting. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Lauren S., would you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Lauren S., press star one. Hi, this is Lauren S. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Great. Um, 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.